Wow. The Lord will lay bare his arm to all the nations. You know what that means? God is going to flex his muscles, going to show it, show himself powerful to be strong. I love that. Thank you, Landon, for leading that song. We just introduced that on Wednesday night. I asked him if the church knew that song because I, I was wanted to have that passage read. Justin, thank you for reading that. You did a great job. Uh, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. Our God reigns. Isn't that amazing? Our God reigns. He flexes his muscle. He shows his arm bare um, to, uh, to all the nations. Man, I got a feeling in a good mood this morning. I hope you guys are happy or excited to be here. Even if you are a fraction uh, as much as I am, you're really excited to be here. I don't know why, man. I, I woke up this morning, had Jesus on my mind, Steve. Woke up this morning with my mind set on Jesus. Listened to a lot of great songs before we ever uh, got here. Just one song after another, songs that I love that put me in a, in a good mood to worship the Lord. And, and uh, I am just happy and thankful to be here. We're so blessed uh, to be in this country, to have beautiful sunshine, to be in this place in the presence of the Lord. Our God reigns. Second Kings chapter 7. I want you to turn over there. We're gonna, this is going to be our text this morning. I'm going to read the text. And, um, and then I'm, we'll make some comments after that. But I want to read the text first this morning. The word of the Lord. This is 2 Kings chapter 7. We're starting at verse 3. Now there were four men who had leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their, and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy, they reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes, and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. 
This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp, and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone. Only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left, just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news, and it was reported within the palace. The word of the Lord. Today, in Phoenix, Arizona, actually just outside of there, in a suburb called Glendale, there will be thousands and thousands of people gathered together to watch two football teams, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to battle it out for the NFL championship. Millions and millions of dollars have been spent on advertising. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been paid to players and to coaches. Tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be spent on tickets, hotel rooms, food, T-shirts, hats, beer, those little foam fingers that say number one, everything else that goes along with an event like that. It's an annual event that has uh, been taking place since 1967. That's when the very first, what we call Super Bowls, happened, and it's kind of become a national holiday of sorts. Uh, I even heard that they're maybe wanting to uh, institute a Super Bowl Monday for the hangover, I guess, that people experience because of Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see if that uh, takes place here uh, in the future. Super Bowl Sunday is the second largest food consumption day of the year behind only Thanksgiving. The biggest food consumption day only behind Thanksgiving. I looked this up because I alluded to it Wednesday night in our class. 28 million pounds of chips will be consumed today. 28 million pounds. 1.25 billion chicken wings will be consumed today. That's a lot of chickens, right? And Landon, 8 million pounds of guacamole. 8 million pounds of guacamole will be consumed today. Hopefully not by one person alone. Spread that out across the nation. Um, it's, it's the most watched TV broadcast in the United States every year. Um, back in um, 2011, I think, they said it was the single largest day uh, program ever watched. Uh, in American history, 111 million people watched Super Bowl 45. That's amazing. The TV commercials, the ads have become a huge part of the Super Bowl experience. Um, I mentioned that Wednesday night. The Super Bowl today will have two ads airing from um, a company that's called He Gets Us, hegetsus.com. 
They're going to run two ads today. And I, if you were in class Wednesday night, you heard me talk about this. We watched some of the ads. They've been running since the spring of 2022, almost a year, these ads have been running. They're shot in black and white. They're very, very well done. A lot of time, a lot of money has been put into this. He gets us. And they're trying to reintroduce Jesus to our, to our world, to our society here in the West. And it's not just for people who don't know Jesus, but it's also reintroducing him to those who say they believe in Jesus, but maybe they have just sort of fallen out. They've left their first love, if you will. It's trying to reignite conversations based around Jesus. And the whole premise is that Jesus gets us. We go through things. We have struggles. We have anxiety. We have depression. There's poverty. People are hurting. They're lonely. And Jesus understands that. Why? Because he was one of us. He became like us in every way. Tempted, yet was without sin. So Jesus gets us. I want you to be thinking about uh, those ads if you're watching the Super Bowl because, as I said Wednesday night, God is handing us, I think, God is handing us a silver platter uh, with, with this on it. And he's saying, this is a way that you can talk about me to your friends. It's going to be natural. It's not going to be that weird thing where you come up with your Bible and you knock on someone's door and say, do you want to know about Jesus? No? Okay, thanks. You know, it's not like that. Everybody's going to be watching the Super Bowl, almost everybody. But a few will not. <laughs> but if you are, you can talk about this tomorrow, Super Bowl Monday and Tuesday, with your friends about Jesus, because these ads are going to be airing, and everybody's going to be talking about the Super Bowl ads. That's kind of, that's kind of become in vogue the last uh, several years. But within the shadow of the State Farm Arena, did you have anything to do with that? Yes, sir. State Farm Arena, that's where the Super Bowl is being played today, Glendale, Arizona. There are thousands of people living in poverty. A homeless population of nearly 13,000 people living in Arizona. They have had a 23% increase uh, in population. And, and, and a large part of that is they say that the housing shortage just can't keep up with the number of people uh, that have moved there. Um, but there are tons and tons of needy, broken, lost people in that city. Most of the homeless there today are what they call unsheltered. And that just simply means that they're living on the street or they're living in a car or another place that's not meant for sleeping. Arizona isn't the only place that is desperately needy today. It isn't the only place where there are multitudes of lost and hurting people. They're right here in Jeffersonville. They're here in New Albany and Clarksville and Sellersburg, Louisville. The level of pain and misery in people's lives today seems to be at epidemic proportions, maybe greater than, than some of you have ever seen uh, in your lifetimes. The emptiness of their hearts is staggering, and the eternity that they are facing it's terrifying. Without Jesus, there is no hope. 
Without Jesus, there is no healing. Without Jesus, there is no, there is no heaven. Without the gospel, the good news, there is no purpose in life. Without the gospel, there is no plan. Without the gospel of Jesus, there is no power in our lives. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ and him alone. The government can't save these people. The schools cannot save these people. Wall Street cannot or will not save these people. Their families cannot save them. Even the church can't save these people. Many of them are angry. Many of them are bitter. Many of them have been beaten down by life's circumstances. They're scared. They're sad. They are sick. Many of them sick of the what they think of as the hypocrisy of Christians and of churches. So what does our scripture passage have to do with any of this? That's what I'd like to know. At first glance, you might think that the four lepers in our text this morning, at first blush, you might think that those lepers represent all of these homeless people, all of those that are hurting, all of those who are uh, without family, without loved ones, without people to care for them. At first glance, that's might, that might be who you think that these people represent. But the truth is, they represent us. They represent you and they represent me. They represent us. So I want us to consider just for a few moments how they represent us and how their experience can impact us so that we can have an impact on other people around us. Let's look back at our text. Verses 3 and 4. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we, if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we'll live. If they kill us, then we will die. So, pretty bleak situation when you look at it. If you go back to chapter 6, uh, there is an Aramean king, the king of Aram. His name is Ben-Hadad. He had laid siege to Samaria. They were under attack. But he didn't come with an army and just hit them, you know, full, full on attack like that. What he did was he, he built this impenetrable um, army that surrounded the city, and he basically just camped there, and he kept them from going in and coming out, and so basically he's starving them to death, okay? He's laid siege, and he's just sitting back and just basically starving uh, the Israelites to death. 
Um, the siege was so long and so bad that the Bible says that they had to resort to eating donkeys' heads. They resorted to eating dove dung. You heard that correctly. They resorted to eating their own children. Have you ever read this story? You need to go back in chapter 6 and read what I just said to you. It's the word of the Lord. Things were so bad, so terrible. Starvation, death, sickness, disease. It couldn't get much worse or much more hopeless for those people. You see, these people had fallen under the judgment of God because they had turned away from him. They had, had begun worshiping idols, false gods, instead of worshiping Yahweh. And the result of that was that God's hand of discipline and judgment had come upon them, and God was using uh, the Aramean people and the king um, to sort of bring judgment upon them. And that's what Ben-Hadad uh, was doing. And it's in these horrible conditions that we find these four, these four lepers. Not only were they starving to death because probably the garbage that was normally thrown over the city walls had stopped because they, the people didn't have anything. They were starving themselves. They were also suffering the ravages of their own disease. They, they were castaways. They, they, they couldn't be with the normal community. They had to live outside of the city walls. They were banished from the city. They had a pitiful life already, and now they're going to die from starvation if they just stay there. So this is a pretty good picture of, of the pitiful condition of somebody who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're, they're under the same judgment of God for their sin. They're, they're dying of spiritual hunger, if you will. They are afflicted with a deadly disease. It's not leprosy, but it's a deadly disease called sin. Completely hopeless. Completely helpless. Bound for hell. And they'll do anything to try to find some kind of meaning for their lives. They'll do anything to try to find some kind of food, if you will, to satisfy their, their spiritual hunger. That's one of the main reasons that the bars and the strip clubs will be jam-packed full tonight in Glendale, Arizona. They'll also be packed in Louisville and Jeff and all the surrounding places around here tonight as well. It's one of the reasons that young women will sell their bodies tonight as they struggle to find some kind of meaning, some kind of acceptance, some kind of love, if you will. It's one of the reasons that businessmen will work seven days a week sacrificing their marriages, sacrificing their children, maybe even their health just to make another dollar. It's also one of the reasons that gangs in the inner cities are, are so enticing 
to vulnerable young men who are lost, who have no purpose in their lives. It's a horrible place to be. It's a horrible condition in which to live. But look at what happens to these guys. They find this incredible, incredible stash of goods. Look at verse 5. At dusk, they got up and went out to the camp of the Arameans. You, you understand, you understand that this is what the, these four lepers are going to do. They're, they're saying to themselves, we're going to die. <laughs> if, if we stay here, we're going to die, right? I mean, we're, we're already outcasts. We're living outside of the city. We, we got nothing. Nobody's giving us anything. They, they've got nothing. They're eating their animals and their own children. If we stay here, we're going to die. So what they're doing is they're going to the camp of the enemy. And they're saying, we're just going to go up to them and, and surrender. And maybe they'll give us some food. But if they don't, they kill us, we'll die. But we're going to die anyway, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of like a kamikaze mission, if you will. Let's go over there, and let's just see if maybe they'll, they'll throw us some scraps of food. If not, we'll die, but we're, we're, we're going to die anyway. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Nobody. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to come and attack us. Was that true? Did they really hear the sounds of horses and chariots? Had, had the Egyptians and the Hittites been hired to come and fight them? No. There was nobody there. But God made them hear these sounds so that they became scared. And what did they do? They ran away. <laughs> they fled. They were scared for their own lives. They ran for their own lives. Verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, and they entered one of the tents. What did they find? It says they ate and they drank and they carried away silver and gold and clothes, and they went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent, took some things from there, and hid them also. So these guys, they had nothing to lose. They had nothing to lose. If we stay here, we die. If we go there, they kill us, then we die. The same God that had brought the judgment on them through the siege, the same God, now got rid of the army and was about to provide these men with more food than they could eat, more money, more riches than they could ever spend, more clothes than they could ever wear. They found this unbelievable treasure like they'd never seen before. Four sick, pitiful, starving, hungry, dying, begging lepers were just freely given this huge, priceless reward. Do you know what we call that? Grace. <laughs> it's called grace. 
It's receiving something that you got no business receiving. It's receiving something that you didn't work for. It's getting something that you don't deserve, but it's just freely given. We call that, call that grace. It's God giving us what we don't deserve. It's what the prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. He says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It's God showing us his love for the whole world by sending his one and only son into this broken world to be our savior, to pay the price for our salvation, to give us this unbelievable, uh, undeserved, unmerited opportunity to be saved, to have abundant life, not just in the then and the there, but to enter into that abundant eternal life in the here and the now. So many times, I, I think we, we, we view heaven as just, you know, there's some far-off place that we're waiting for, and that's when eternal life will really begin for us. But the Bible is very plain that when we come to Christ and we put our faith and we put our trust, we put our hope in Jesus, we enter into eternal life right now. We begin to experience that kind of love, that forgiveness, that sort of grace right now in the midst of all of this brokenness that our world is experiencing. Why would God choose unholy, mean-spirited enemies of his and send his son to die for people like that? Why would God do that? And you realize that that's what we were. We were enemies of the cross. You say, well, I've never been an enemy of the cross. I've been in church all my life. I love God. <laughs> the Bible's very plain. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Even when we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. Why would he do that? I don't know. But that's what grace is. And that's why we sing songs like, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior we have. Because I didn't deserve that. Look at verse 9. Then they said to each other, this is, this, is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you got to get your little highlighter, where you got to get your ink pen and underline. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. They're sitting there, they're eating, they're drinking, they've got all these clothes, silver and gold, they're hiding them, they're, they're, they go back for some more, and then they say to, to each other, we're not doing right. 
This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Just a short distance from here, people are dying, they say. People are starving. People have no hope. Just a little ways from here. They don't know that the enemy is gone, that the siege is over, and that there is food enough for everybody. They don't know that. And they say, we cannot keep this to ourselves. We've got to go tell them. We have the answer to their needs. We have the solution to their problems. We have the provision for their hunger. We've got to go tell them. Do you know what one of the worst sins that Christians can commit? Think about it in your mind right now. When I said that, what is one of the worst sins that a Christian can commit? Some of you probably thought murder, stealing, lying. Oh, God hates a lying, lying tongue. Adultery. You know what one of the greatest sins that a Christian can commit? Silence. Silence. Not saying anything. Not telling anyone the good news of Jesus. We know where a spiritually hungry person needs to go to be fed forever. We know where a spiritually dead person knows uh, needs to go to be given eternal life. We know. We know where a spiritually thirsty person needs to go have their thirst quenched for all eternity. We know where a spiritually destitute person needs to go to find unlimited riches. We know where a spiritually dead person needs to go to find life. We know. And yet how many of us never tell anyone about this treasure, this food? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the living water. If you're thirsty, you can drink of me and you will never be thirsty again. We know. We know where, it, where it's found. Salvation is found in no one else except the name of Jesus. Jesus. Sometime later tonight, there's going to be a bunch of players and coaches 
of either the Chiefs or the Eagles who are going to make a bunch of money when they win the game. The winning team will receive $150,000 per person, not per team. And this is on top of the million and millions of dollars that they already make in salary, okay? Every person on the winning team will receive $150,000 for winning the game today. The losers get a mere $75,000 apiece. That's more than many of us make in a year. They're going to get for losing the Super Bowl. It's going to be a bunch of players and coaches and fans who are going to be celebrating a victory. There's going to be a city that's going to welcome them back with a parade Monday or Tuesday or sometime later this week. But after all the hype is gone, after the State Farm Arena is, is cleaned and locked up, after all the commercials have stopped running, not much is going to change as a result of this game. Many of you probably won't even remember who even played in the game. Some of you don't even know there is a game today. But if you and I We'll take this opportunity today on Super Bowl Sunday to make a new commitment to Christ, to share his love with those who are lost, then lives will be changed forever, for all eternity. His impact will truly happen through us, if we'll just say, we're not doing right. We're not doing right. How can we keep this to ourselves? How can we not tell people who are starving that there's food and drink in abundance? We know. We know where they can go, and his name is Jesus. Sweetest name. There's something about that name, Mark. Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful that a life that had, had lived with Jesus on their hearts and minds when they came to their final breaths on this earth, that they would just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Say his name with me, Jesus. Say it, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. It's like, it's like the fragrance after a rain. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of us telling someone about him. Would you commit in your heart this very moment to tell someone this week, maybe you're going to use one of the Super Bowl ads, he gets us, 
He knows us because he became one of us. Jesus gets us. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be in poverty. He gets us because he was one of us. Would you tell someone about Jesus this week? Use that commercial as your foot in the door. Use the Super Bowl. Everybody's going to be thinking about it, most everybody. We need to tell somebody. He is worthy.